0: Welcome to another edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com. I am John Schmelke. is Paul Dettino. The phone number for you is 201-939-4513. Hashtag Giants Chat on Twitter if you want to get in touch with us that way you can. Well, we finally had our first preseason game, folks, and it was a fun one. The Giants beat the Jets 31-22. I have to check the final score because really the final score is irrelevant. What matters is how the team played. It's all brought to you by Coors Light, by the way. So, Paul, obviously I think we have to start with the major story, and that's the job that Daniel Jones coming in, uh, did coming in in that second series of the game. He was in there with the starters against the Jets' backup defense, and quite frankly, he played as well as he possibly could. Perfect quarterback rating, 158.3, 5 of 5, 67 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions. He checked every box you could, we caution. It's just a preseason game. It's against a vanilla defense. It was the Giants' starters against the Jets' backups. But
1: he did all you could ask of him. Well, look at it this way. Just because plays are there to be made doesn't mean they necessarily have to be made correctly. Doesn't necessarily have to mean that they were done pretty, although actually he did a pretty job. Uh, he did miss a couple of assignments, I guess, adjustments early in the in the drive. Yeah, Kurt, uh, Pat Shermer said that he... Forgot to send
0: a tight end in motion, for example, on the first play.
1: Yes, but what is the ultimate result? He executed well enough to go 5-5 five five for 67 yards on a 12-yard touchdown pass, which, by the way, was a nice laser into the back right corner to Benny Fowler, who also deserves credit because... Uh, defenders were in the vicinity. I mean, that ball was in a tight window, and he did a good job to concentrate and to make sure that he held on to the scoring strike. Yeah, I watched it this morning that Jets were in cover two,
0: so you had the cornerback in short coverage on the tight end in the flat. You had the safety deep. He ran right at the safety, went outside, safety trailed him. Jones had to put it outside of the safety and
1: over the shallow corner. Got it in the correct spot. That's not an easy throw. It's not an easy throw. So, um... (laughs) He checked all the boxes once again. And, folks, I know this was probably most of your first opportunity at seeing them. Some of you have been to camp. I get it, and that's great, and I hope you have. Uh, if you have not, and this was your first opportunity, uh, that's what we've been telling you about. Uh, he has checked all of the boxes. And this is one more box. One more box. But you know what? There are a whole other line of boxes still waiting to be filled.
0: Lots of boxes. And those are the important boxes. These are boxes that are fun to check, and they're informative, and it's great. But as Pat Shermer, and well, I'll get to the irony in a second. By the way, did you
1: mention that Haskins got picked off twice last night? For the Redskins?
0: Otherwise, by the way, he was actually 8 of 14 for 117. So, otherwise, his, his overall numbers were okay, but he did have two picks. How about we not compare... Just, just wanted to mention How that. How about we not compare rookie I'm quarterbacks one I'm not comparing anybody
1: pre- to anything. I'm
0: trying to point make the point that the one preseason game isn't that important. You're trying to compare people now.
1: I'm not trying to compare anybody. <laughs> I'm simply exactly exactly trying, trying to doing. state a fact. I know. We have some people here in this room, actually, who wanted me to make sure that the other folks outside knew that Haskins had two picks. Okay. Congratulations. Okay. <laughs> I do find it funny that
0: Pat Shermer was, has actually been brought to the point now where he was trying to downplay Daniel Jones' performance to the media after the game. And the path we've taken with Daniel Jones is actually pretty hilarious. We've gone from the national media, and I think the national media was actually a lot rougher on the Giants than the local media was after they drafted Daniel Jones. And, you know, LOL Dave Gettleman, there's no what he's doing. Then he shows up in training camp. I mean, then he shows up in the OTAs. He's playing a little bit better. Oh, well, you know, he looks pretty good. Then he comes back in training camp. Oh, he continues to play. Oh, well, you know, Daniel Jones, you know, he, he looks like a first-round pick. It looks pretty good. Then he gets into a preseason game. Oh, man, he was, he was five for five. He should start over Eli Manning in week one. <laughs> <laughs> so now we've gone to the point where the Giants are getting killed for taking the kid to now having to tell other people to calm down about overblowing how good he's played. This is the world now, people. Yes, this is the world. It's yes. ridiculous. The agenda must overtake all the facts. Well, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not necessarily going agenda. People just swing so wildly from one extreme to the other, without any sense of context with anything they're talking about
1: in between. Only today's media could turn a nice solid productive performance by Daniel Jones, and turn it into, well, let's see, what kind of negative can we make here? Well, let's say that he should be starting over Eli right now.
0: It's even the fans, though, Paul.
1: And, and, well, and I, because
0: they're reading a bunch of, uh, you know what? I'm, I'm, Paul, I'm not trying to make... Will you stop trying to make this about the media? That's not what I'm trying to do here. Okay, go ahead. That's not what I'm trying to do. I am not ahead. want to be sitting here killing people. Go ahead. Um, it, it, But I think it's just important to... Understand what he
1: did was really good, but he did it well in context. Look, it's just the the perception that bugs me. Whether or not it's coming from certain segments of of media, certain segments of experts, certain segments of the fan base, the perception that is out there seems to catch fire as if a forest is burning down. That's 100% true. That's fair. That's my problem. No, and and, and, and it it bothers me too, as you can tell. That's why I brought it up. Because, you know... (laughs) oh well let's just say this folks it wasn't this way in the 80s when social media didn't exist and twitter didn't exist okay it wasn't that way at all it was just hardcore football let's get to the x's and o's what's real is real and the heck with perceptions but it is it is where we are this is 2019 sorry john that's okay you're okay i, I understand know you're excited i know well you know i'm old school Uh, Just the way it is. You are, really? I didn't know that. By the way, can I add one other thing that has nothing to do with this topic? Yeah, sure. The Giants had four quarterbacks playing the game last night. I mean, Eli was in there for one quick series. It Mm -hmm. was a three and out, and it really did not amount to anything. But Alex Tanney, and I've been telling people this ever since he got here, He throws a nice ball. It's a tight spiral. He's accurate. He doesn't have a ton of mustard on it. He's not throwing long 65-yard bombs. But Alex Tanney, to me is a more than respectable backup quarterback in this league, and it still boggles my mind how he has bounced around for a number of years and not found a legitimate long-term home when you consider the other backup quarterbacks in the NFL. Alex Tanney performed extremely well last night, and Kyle Oletta probably looked as good, if not better, than any other time he has been since a New York Giant.
0: Looked good. He threw a couple of really nice passes on deep outs. And he, he looked like an NFL quarterback, which makes sense. You you expect a big jump from your first year to your second year. We saw that from him. One other thing quickly on Daniel Jones, just specifically about yes. his performance. You mentioned a couple of his throws. The things that jumped out to me, and we mentioned this on the post game show last night, Paul, mm-hmm. that if there was one thing that if you want to be critical of his play in the spring and the summer, and this would be being hypercritical, you're nitpicking a little bit. On some throws over the middle in the short and intermediate range, maybe he was taking one extra beat before he would release the ball, the window would close, as you put it last night, and he'd get passes knocked away. Yes. His throws last night against a defense he'd never seen before, and granted, it's a vanilla defense because the Jets and Giants are playing later in the year, Greg Williams doesn't want to tip his cap at all, right? That said, his passes were on time, they were decisive, he was taking his three or five step drops, planting his foot and getting rid of the ball, Mm -hmm. and... A lot of that has to do with the good protection he was getting. They mass protected against the Blitz. So I just thought his decisiveness for a rookie, when sometimes you literally see rookies swimming in their own heads during these games. We saw it when Kyle Letta came in against the Redskins in the second half last year. He was swimming, you could tell. Everything was going so fast for the kid. Correct. It didn't
1: look that way for Daniel Jones last night. Not at all. And... A great example of that is the touchdown pass to Fowler. That's a small window, and because Fowler is running so close to the back corner of the end zone, he doesn't have much time to make that decision or that throw. And the Latimer play on the play action, he has to turn his back to the
0: defense, something Mm -hmm. he didn't do a lot in college. Correct. Settles back there, has to wait and be patient for Latimer to clear the linebacker and safety in the middle of the field to find the open window in the zone, then he delivered the ball accurately and on time in that window. So I thought those... By far, for me, were my two favorite throws. Also, the little quick out to Fowler before the touchdown, that was a blitz. Yep. The Jets brought seven. The Giants protected with seven. It was three wide receivers going out against man-to-man with a single high safety. He knew the blitz was coming. He took three steps, pivoted, saw the cornerback was playing inside leverage. Fowler ran a little out. Good anticipation. He threw the ball as the cut was being made not after the cut was made, which a lot of rookie quarterbacks wait for, of course. hit him on time right at the sideline. I believe they converted a third
1: and seven on that with an eight-yard mm-hmm. game. And so not only did these QBs do well, let's not forget the guys who caught the balls. Because, John, uh, this wide receiver by committee thing, we don't know how it's ultimately going to turn out. We we know that Shepard right now is unavailable probably for, for the preseason because of that thumb. But, uh, you know, these guys, Russell Shepard, comes up with a big play touchdown, turns on the Jets, finds a second gear. Yeah, broke a tackle. And breaks away in mm-hmm. the back seven for a long, what, 51-yard score? Yep. Okay? We saw Fowler make that catch in the corner of the end zone. We saw TJ Jones make a nice adjustment on Loretta's throw go down to the ground, and then complete the play and hold on for a touchdown. Do you want to give him credit for an intentional back shoulder throw there? Or no? <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> no. No, I don't think it was, uh, I don't, it was in the playbook. I don't think so either. But nonetheless, uh, a nice play by T.J. Jones sure. to help out his quarterback. So, you know, and Reggie White mm-hmm. made some nice plays in the latter stages of this game injecting himself into the competition. And by the way, he only had one catch for 39 yards, but Alonzo
0: Russell was open a lot in this game. Alex Tanney missed him once on a deep route. He overthrew Mm -hmm. him a little bit, and then he just didn't see him on another deep route on a play-action rollout when he ran for the first down. So even though his numbers, just one for 39, might not jump out at you, I thought he actually got
1: open over the course of the game as well. So, you know, if you're the Giants right now, I think the passing game has to make you smile the running game, not so much. <laughs> he really had a difficult time moving the ball on the ground. 18 I, carries, 40 yards, 2.2 a carry for the game. Now, I, I have not rewatched watched the game yet this morning, John. I did. What's your question? Okay. Well, I, I, it's not so much a question. It's a comment that you can either back up or back off of. Mm-hmm. I didn't see much room.
0: No, there wasn't a ton of room. I thought Rod Smith actually made the most of a couple of runs where there are guys in the backfield, but no, there was, there was not a ton of room back there. So that's a bit disappointing, even with the first-string offensive line. I mean, Goldman was 5-for-13, Rod Smith 6-for-12, Perkins 4-for-9. So it was pretty consistent throughout the game in terms of the, the lack of room
1: up front. All right, so let's flip quickly to defense. I know the calls are, yep, are we want to get to here. Yep. And I don't Yeah, I don't want to hold these people up any longer. My quick comment on defense is this. There was not much of a pass rush, a little bit, sporadically. That first drive, they did make Donald go off-platform a little bit Mm -hmm. and move in the pocket. I wouldn't
0: call anything. There were no quarterback hits from the first unit. They didn't
1: harass him.
0: Kareem Martin got one later on in the game, but I think that was the only one in terms of quarterback hits over the course of the game. Carter made him flush out of the pocket a little bit. But I agree. I would say it was, I'll call it a quiet day. I think Jenkins had a big rush. hit.
1: Didn't he? John Jenkins had a big hit in the second half? Yeah,
0: later in the game. I think you're
1: right. Um, But, but not much of a pass rush, and that certainly has to be uh, something you'd want to look at mm-hmm. a little closer in the next three preseason games. And then I thought that the other thing was, despite the fact that they did give up uh, some big pass plays in the secondary... These young guys showed their skill set. And Coach Shermer said, you know, they showed that the game wasn't too big for them. They didn't get caught up in the bright lights. And I do agree with that. Mm-hmm. Now, there were obvious miscommunications. Even on that first drive, Coach Shermer said they were in man and there was a bust. They had a miscommunication, gave up a big play. Yeah, it was. There were. It's going to happen. There were three jet receivers stacked on the left side. And the Giants had Jenkins,
0: Love, and Pepper's there. Jenkins had the outside receiver. And then either Peppers or Love,
1: I don't know which guy screwed it up, but one of them didn't cover Chris Herndon, and that's a problem. Okay, so we know those growing pains are going to be prevalent during the early part of the season. Not just the preseason, but the early part of the regular season too. Similar by the way,
0: on the Jets first touchdown, they ran that little natural pick play with the mm-hmm. slant and the out and Lovin and Baker didn't navigate it well enough to prevent the touchdown. Same type of deal. That's a communication deal where these
1: guys will get used to playing with each other. Exactly. So, you know, I I, I can live with that right now because it's August. Now, if you come to me in November, and say they're making those same mistakes, I've got a big problem with it.
0: Yeah, Julian Love played all the way into the third quarter. He played nickel primarily. DeAndre Baker played into the second quarter. I don't think he was out there for the third. Don't think so either. He had the one defensive pass interference penalty, which we talked about in the postgame yesterday, I thought was a borderline penalty. Did you penalty. look it again? Yeah. Look, there's contact. The problem is that Baker. if Baker turns his head just a little bit, yeah. they're not calling it. Okay. The problem is that he just was staring at the wide receiver. and basically He basically ran into him.
2: He ran into the
0: wide receiver. He didn't push him with his form or do that, but he basically ran into him and kind of nudged him a little bit. So I got it. I think it's borderline. Uh, Julian Love gave up a catch or two, but then he knocked a nice ball away on an out route. He made a good play on that. Uh, He just seems like uh, just a good football player. Mm -hmm. I I feel that he's going to be an impactful player right away. Ballantyne was up and down. He missed a couple of tackles. He committed the defensive pass interference penalty on the review. We could talk about that more if you guys like later on in the show. I thought it was a good overturn. I thought it was an obvious interference penalty. On the interception, Lance told us last night that he thought they could have called defensive pass interference on that too. Very early, he had his hand over the receiver's hand, but I didn't see a grab and a pull, and he let go of it, and the receiver was able to get both hands up to try to make the catch. So to me, that wasn't a significant hindrance to the receiver making the catch.
1: So I thought that was an okay play. I thought that was a good interception. So I guess in summary, what I'm trying to say about the secondary is I saw a lot of skills there on display last night. There were clearly clearly, some areas where they could have tightened up the coverage and they could have made some more plays. But it's apparent that, A, these guys are, are not swimming in water above their heads, and B, it is clear and apparent that they've got the talent and the skills to be able to make plays in this league. They're just going to need some experience. I love the way Ballantyne gets his head around
0: when the ball's in the air. Great anticipation. Even on the defensive pass interference penalty when he's holding the guy's arm down, he was back looking at the ball on the interception. His head turned around looking Mm -hmm. at the ball. Young cornerbacks have trouble with that all the time, and he did a real good job with that, impressed. And looking at the tape, I didn't notice it while the game was going on. Ryan Connolly was excellent. There's a couple running plays where they ran outside and they're pulling a guard and a tackle or a center and a guard, and he literally just runs full speed and blows the guys up. He doesn't get the tackle, but he stretches, extends the play, and lets somebody else come in and make a play on the ball. I thought he was very aggressive getting downhill in the run game. He didn't do a ton of pass coverage, but I thought against the run... I liked what I saw out of Connolly, who did get some run, by the way, with Tay Davis, with the ones, he did. when Alec Ogletree
1: left with, I believe Coach Trummer called it, a calf injury today, correct? Yes. I think that Connolly has showed us he's got range during training camp. He can run. And he brought that into the game. You ready to take some calls? Sure.
0: 201-939-4513. Let's do this. We'll take your calls in the order in which they were received. It's all brought to you. By Coors Light, and we'll take your tweets as well at hashtag Giants Chat. Make sure you get them in. Duggan Rochester will lead us off today on Big Blue Kickoff Live.
3: Hey, Doug. Hey, what's up, John and Paul? How are you guys doing today? We're good, Hi. Dougie. What's up? Um. The um. um one thing about Daniel Jones, uh, I've been looking at you know sports shows and um uh, Daniel Jones. I'm gonna go through this quick. And to me, he looked like the average. He looked like the main quarterback for the Giants. He looked like Eli when he first stepped out there. So Daniel Jones did good. But the thing about the state about Daniel Jones, he went through a half defense of the Jets and it was one two covers. So get it, they're all on the talking about shows. Go get your head up high. Now here goes Tyler Murray. Colin Murray looks like a superstar. They put him as a superstar because he's playing this <laughs> game. But that, to me, Daniel Jones played his game, and they they showed, you know the haters and they did the same thing. How one or two covers Greg Williamson had half his defense and and all that. So you know they still they're still chipping away at Daniel
0: Jones. You know. No, yeah, you're absolutely right. People go in with their preconceived notions, and they allow that to cloud how they judge individual players. I'll say the same thing for everybody. Good or bad. Let's not take too much out of one preseason game.
3: Yeah, yeah but um yeah, another thing I wanted to touch on was uh Dion Baker and Julian Love. That touchdown was a miscommunication. Um uh, Julian Love, um, he didn't fight through the screen, even though he was late, but still. He went yeah, over I think it. he had to practice on fighting through the screen. And more like uh, Deion Baker um, on the pass interference, he didn't really have to touch the guy. He was on him. I think he had to uh, do the college. They never threw at him. So I think he has to learn and focus on more going after the ball, looking up for the ball. Because you've got to remember, he didn't get thrown that much at college. So uh, he has to, you know, get focused on – Looking for the boss to put putting his hands on
0: the receiver. Yeah, Doug, by so, the way, that, uh, that, right that was an issue he had in college, too. And Paul and I saw that yeah. when we did our draft preparation mm-hmm. where he did not get his head around real well. And he was sometimes
1: too aggressive down the field, Paul. So that was very similar to what we saw from him on tape at Georgia. Again, experience should be able to take care of something like that. I would say this, too. I don't know why, but the rub route or the pick play that we commonly refer to is much more prevalent in the NFL than it is in college. So yeah, but, yeah, so so yeah, to some um, degree to, to name, some um, degree he probably hasn't worked against that an awful lot.
0: That's true. And I think I think the problem with that particular player at the end zone is that love was just so far off of his receiver that there was no way for him to get over the receiver running the slant mm-hmm. and to get to the guy in the flat in time. If he's going to cover that and and they're not going to switch it off Love has to play closer to the line of scrimmage and get underneath that guy running the slant. If he's going over the guy running the slant, he's not going to get there in time to stop the guy from scoring the touchdown on that play.
3: Well, that, well that's, that's what I was talking about, the communication. Yep. Now, those two, they, I know it was their first game, but they have, that's, that's when the commu- communication comes in. If communication is there, he has the opportunity to fight through the screen and get to that back or that tight end, and that stopped, and therefore he was late, and he didn't get a chance to go through the screen. That's what I'm saying. No, I agree. The communication. Yep.
0: Now we're with you, Doug. Anything else? All right. All uh, right.
3: Yeah, so you guys, I'm, I'm looking forward to see the Bears. The Bears' uh, defense may not come out a little bit more, but I'm. It's a shame the weather stopped Daniel Jones from hmm. the second series. That's what yeah. that was. What everybody was talking about this morning too. That we wanted to see him come back out, so maybe we could see some more Daniel Jones uh, next week. All right, thanks guys. Thank you, so Doug. I,
0: and Pat Murray right, did bro. confirm today, by the way, that Jones would have probably played another eight to ten snaps. I think yes. he said, right, Paul, if the rain hadn't come. And I think it was more an issue of they didn't want to put the first-team offensive linebacker out Correct. there after sitting down for nearly an hour. You know, those big guys, it takes them a while to get everything moving. <laughs> you don't want them to stop and then start again. You don't want to have any injuries there. So they'll play more of the preseason games to get Jones all the snaps that he needs. Yep. 201-939-4513. Julian down in Hollywood, Florida. He's up next. Hey, Julian.
4: Hey, guys. How are you? How's everything? Hi. We're great. What's up? All right, so um, I know that in the beginning, uh, John, you were saying, you know, you're not trying to blame the media uh, when you were talking with Paul before you guys got on the lines, but uh, it absolutely is the media that portrays these picks, and, you know, like, when we drafted Jones, I mean, we're waking up the sports center saying, what are the Giants doing, what's what's going on here, and what's going on there, so it is absolutely the media to blame. No, but wait, no, like no Julian, I hear you,
0: Julian, I hear you, and that's true, but I'm going to give you a larger theoretical argument here. Why do you think the media presents things the way they do and creates more of an opinion um, issue with how they report on things than just reporting the facts? And I'll answer the question for you. They do it that way because when people state those strong opinions right or wrong those shows all get better ratings. So the reason the media acts that way and operates that way is because that's the content that the fans absorb more of. If the fans wanted the straight shooting stuff that had context and was straight down the middle, guess what? They do that. They put out there what gets the most clicks. And there's what a an appetite the most, for a job. Exactly. That's what. And again, it's not the hardcore fans like you, Julian. Like anybody that listens to the show, those aren't the people that want that hot click stuff. But the majority of the casual fans, they see a headline that says this team's dumb or this team's great, they want to read this. They don't want to read, well, you know, Daniel Jones might be a risky pick, but because the talent of Duke wasn't so good
1: around him, maybe he'll be a good pick. People don't click on that. You know what You,
5: exactly you know what I right. mean?
4: Exactly right. Yeah.
1: You know, it's funny. I mean, there was actually a reporter who asked Coach Shermer on the conference call today if, uh, if Daniel Jones has now done enough to... You know, insert himself into a quarterback competition for opening day against the Cowboys. After going five for five in a preseason game against the Jets' second team, yeah, against the Jets' second team defense, but suddenly now he's going to be involved in the competition for the number one quarterback. That's what a writer actually asked the head football coach of the Giants this morning. So, you, you tell me where the credibility is.
4: I, I, you know, I, actually, guys, credibility goes to you guys. I am mean, absolutely 100% what you said, John, is it, it, true. I mean, you guys are the real reporters. Any real Giants fans should be listening to you guys, what you guys have to say. I mean, I remember when Daniel Jones got picked. I, I believe it was Paul that said, give the kid a chance. Like, we don't know what we're – we don't even know what what he can bring to the table. We've seen his tape, and that's all we can rely on. We can't. Tell the guy, we can't say he's a bust. We can't say that has to be better than him. We haven't seen anything on an NFL level yet. Well, Julian, and by the and, way,
0: ha- and by the, way here, here's uh- the here's the thing. And Paul and I had our opinions heading into the draft, and we were very clear with them, and we're not running from them. But here's the thing. We're willing to admit that the team knows a lot more about these guys than we do. I watched Daniel Jones play, mm-hmm. in my tape study, probably six or seven full games. Well, guess what? He played 11 last year. And he played 24 the two years before that. I don't have the time to go watch all those. The Giants people in the front office, though, they watch every one of those games probably more than once, and multiple people did it. They go and they talk to a million people around the kid, around the school, find out what he's all about. They have full-day meetings with him. We don't have access to any of that. So while we have our opinion, and it's as educated as it can be based on the resources we have available to us, we're willing to say that this is what we think, but the team has a lot more information than we do, so we're willing to give them the benefit of the doubt until the player gets on the field and actually shows who's right and who's wrong. And I, I just think that's exactly. the right way to go about it.
4: It's a Perzingis effect, right? I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> How many people booed when Perzingis was was, uh, was drafted? 100%. Then, you know, what, what, what he showed out there. So I, I want to make my point really clear, guys. I'm sorry to get into the media, but um, I, I thought uh, Daniel Jones did a great job. I think um, Alex Taney stood out to me a lot. I, I think, Paul, I think you're absolutely right. I-, I-, I enjoyed watching Alex Taney play. I was actually pretty per- surprised on how well he did. Um, and I thought Tay Davis uh, stuck out to me, too. Uh, I don't know how- what your guys' opinion is on that. But I'll, I'll leave it off air couple- with-, with this, guys. Um, if you can, guys can just give us a, a grade for these three things. Uh, the O-line, how do you guys think they did from an A, B, C, D perspective? And mm-hmm. uh, DeAndre Baker and also um, Julian Love, and uh, I'll take it off the air with that, guys. Thank you so much.
1: I appreciate it. Go uh, ahead, Paul. Well, here here's what I'm going to say. I, I, I don't think it's fair to go A, B, C, D grading off of limited action in the first preseason game. I think the way you do this, you know how some college coach uh, courses are pass-fail? Mm, I think that's the way you have to grade these preseason snaps, especially since the guy may only play, you know, 15, 20, 25 snaps. To grade them with a letter grade, no, I, I, I don't see that being realistic or justifiable. And
0: again, I'll say this too. I don't think Paul and I have enough information. Even though I sat down and watched the tape, we don't know what the game plan was. We don't know what the coaches are asking the players to do on every play. I think for us to even give a grade
1: is frankly yeah. being a little arrogant. I, I don't I don't think we're in the position to do that. I, I, I will say this on the pass-fail scale, without me having gone back and looked at the tape yet this morning, I would say I would give all three of those guys pass. Yes. But that's that's a very generic grade. But to be honest, at this point, that's all you want. It's the guy who gets a failing grade at this point, right. who now is under the microscope for the ensuing practices in preseason games because he's the guy who... Who has to get his arrow pointed in the right direction if he's going to make the team? And by the way, I will say this: there are there are some very good reporters that cover the team too.
0: So you know, I just well, want to. that That is true. When
1: we when we talk in those in those uh, circles, we're talking in generalities for the specific type of guys who are participating in those styles of stories. Yeah, I agree. I
0: think they're all pass, Paul. I'm with the o line. I thought it was much better in pass pro, especially the first group, than it wasn't in, in the running game. Baker had the one defensive pass interference. Otherwise, I don't think he gave up a catch in the game, if I'm not mistaken. I don't remember anybody catching a ball on him. I don't think he did either. Uh, I mentioned Love. He gave up the one, but he knocked the ball away. Another him and Baker didn't communicate well on the touchdown. Tay Davis, he got baited, I guess I can use that word, by Sam Darn a little bit. It mm-hmm. was the play after the Herndon bust where Jamison Crowder was in the slot. And Darnold threw a little bit of a pump fake at him, and yes. Davis went right, and then Cratter took off to the left, and Darnold hit him. But that's also a linebacker trying to cover a, a shifty a receiver. receiver, a slot and, guy too. And Darnold did a good job moving him around with his eyes and his arm, which is which is what good quarterbacks do. You know
1: what I thought was really good in the secondary last night, early in the game, Michael Thomas.
0: I saw him make a couple of nice plays around the line of scrimmage. I did not notice him in coverage. No, no, no. But but going forward, he did he did a good job charging. He's he's a very solid football player. He is. I like him a lot. 201-939-4513. Let's go to uh, T. Davis, by the way. I mentioned the one bad play. He had a great play on that first Jets drive. He shot one of the gaps and tackled Cannon for a two-yard loss early in the game, too. I should bring that up. Mike in Florida is up next. What's up, Mike?
6: Hey, John. Hey, Paul. How you doing? Hi. What's up, Mike? Um, I'm... Overall, I was you know pretty pleased with what I saw from uh, from the game last night. Um, very uh, very impressed with Ryan Connolly. Um, I was what he he sidelined to sideline. Uh, I was watching they get they had some close ups of him. Um, he was kind of commanding the you know the 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 huddle. Um, he looked he looked like he belonged. Let's put it that way. Tay Davis. Looked great too uh, for the for the time that he played. I thought he was all over the field. Also, I feel a lot better about our linebacking crew after the first game. No, it's the first preseason game, but I feel a lot better about it um, since after you know after the game. Um, happy with uh, overall, happy with the young secondary. Uh, you know, they made some young young mistakes, but uh, young player mistakes. But uh, I thought they did a, a an admirable job. Um, and last thing I have, um, sorry, I can't even hear. Oh, on third and eight, Eli, yeah. Eli's Eli's um, uh, Eli go gets to third and eight, and they, they hand the ball off. Um, I, I just don't. If he's going to get one series. <laughs> You're gonna give a you're gonna give the ball to Goldman at third and third and eight. I just didn't understand. I don't know if he changed the play or, or if anything like that happened. I didn't understand that at all. Uh right. I felt uh, yeah. And also, there, um, Dexter, oh, Dexter Lawrence was uh, command, uh, taking a lot of double teams, he which were freeing up the linebackers. Um, they were showing that over and over again. You could see it. They, they were, they were really focusing on him. Well, that's going to be very but,
1: important moving forward. If the Giants you, are going Appreciate to get the pressure on the quarterback, they're going to need the guys up front to take on double teams. You know, John, the one thing that we have forgotten about in talking about secondary and even these linebackers, uh, we've buried the fact that Jake Carlock. Uh, had that deflected pass that he took back for a pick six. Yeah, we didn't even bring it up. You're we right. We didn't even bring no, it up. We did. That's our fault. And the show's already, what, over a half hour old. And, you know, this kid is so universally liked by his teammates and the coaching staff. Oh, he's a freak show. He's a safety that's trying to play edge rusher. He's 238 pounds and he's playing with his hand in the dirt. It's unheard of. Yeah. Yeah. It's remarkable to see the kind of effort that he puts out there. He has so much fun playing the game. And as a result... Local kid, too, by the way. LIU Post. Long Island kid. Played for LIU Post, which is a D2 school, by the way. Okay? Think about this. The Giants have Ballantyne and Carlock, who both might wind up being on the 53 from D2 schools. It's pretty wild. How about the scouting staff doing a good job with those guys?
0: Yeah. Chris Pettit and his group do a real good job with those guys. Uh, a couple other notes, just on a couple of things he brought up. I don't know what the call in the huddle was on that third and eight. I know you don't know, I know obviously, no. either. If Eli no. like turned it into a run or whatever, he might have seen something and thought the run would make a big gain. Don't know. I know some people brought up on that first Eli bootleg. He had Red Ellison down the field. He could have thrown that ball. No argument. He decided to take the completion Coach that today. to Scott Simonson, which is fine. Get going with the easy completion. Let's not try to take apart every single play and read every quarterback makes plays we're going to be it's going to be a arduous season if <laughs> if we're going to start doing that and frankly it's no fun um so let's not make too much out of that and in terms of dexter lawrence he did take on a couple double teams in the run game i thought paul i thought he got to get flushed out of there actually a couple times uh, on those double teams but i saw him pass pro or pass rush i should say i thought he was closing the interior of the pocket. He The the guard was giving ground
1: on his bull rush, which is exactly what you want to see out of him. Well, you know, we talk about how Betcher wants to create a, a better mismatch or a better one-on-one matchup, if you will, along that defensive front. And if Lawrence can constantly command two guys and Tomlinson can even on a part-time basis command two guys you mean run or pass
0: i don't think people double
1: teaming tomlinson in the pass game no 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 against the run against the run okay gotcha okay mm-hmm. in the passing game you you're gonna have multiple fronts and who knows who's gonna command what 100 but in the standard d think about that for just a second okay five guys up front and then whatever other protection scheme or run blocking scheme the offense is gonna run but if you've got to have Two guys worried about Lawrence and potentially two guys on a given play worried about Tomlinson. That leaves one other blocker to go against B.J. Hill man-to-man, mano-a-mano, one-on-one. If you're the Giants, you'd like to think that Hill could win a bunch of those matchups. And you certainly believe that if you've got one or two linebackers or even a safety coming up like Jabril Peppers, you're not going to have a mismatch. That's the whole point. If you've got guys who can command enough attention to allow you to create a mismatch in another spot, you've got a really good chance to win the play.
0: Let's go to Ed in Lakewood, New Jersey. He's up next.
5: Hey, Ed. Yeah. Hi, John. Hi, Paul. Hi. Good to talk to you. Hi, Ed. How are you? 1st I'm real well, thank you. Uh, my concern is, uh, Paul was just bringing it up, uh, the defense. I mean, I saw no rush on the quarterbacks at all. Number one. And number two, it's the same thing as last year, John. We hold them for the first down. We hold them for the second down. The quarterback goes back, throws a little pass over the middle for a third down, and they get a first <laughs> down, and they run down the field. And we lost, what, six games last year? in The last two minutes with quarterbacks doing that to us? Are we going to solve that problem? Ed,
0: I understand where you're coming from, but I- I'm not willing to say yet off of – one series with the starting defense on the field altogether, that that problem <laughs> hasn't been solved. But you make a fair point. The Giants, the last couple of years, have been the king of being in third down and then letting a pass in the middle of the field, go for a first down, and then a run after the catch. I'm, there's no argument there. You're 100% right. Mm-hmm. But I'm willing to be a little bit more patient with this group
1: through one preseason game than to be too worried that that problem's not fixed. Yet. Understanding the Giants have actually improved their speed in the back seven. Over the course of the last two years. And so that, that that could also help them defend that type of play.
5: Okay. I I just it seems like the the middle Paul is always open on third down. <laughs> I don't know why. Well, just you know, and and it just seems like that's one of the weak points the Giants defense has. And well, the other and, question I have guys, mm-hmm. did the X man play last night? Yeah, he, yes. he
0: did, but he was quiet. He 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 didn't do a whole lot.
5: Okay. All right. Well, thanks for thanks for picking my call, guys. I really appreciate talking to you. It's my first time I ever called you in, and uh, love your show. Well, and welcome to the please show. Please try Thank again you for
0: listening, and feel free to give us a call back whenever you please. Appreciate you being part of okay. the program. 201-939-4513. You didn't see much from Zimenez, right? I was watching no. him on tape this morning, and I didn't see a ton from him either. To be honest with you, he was
1: very very quiet, and and you know we've really been looking forward to getting him into game action because there's so much promise there. But um, you know, hey. It's one game again. We're 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 trying to reserve praise for the guys who did well. So let's reserve some of the criticisms for guys who may have been quiet. Yeah, let's not make too much
0: out of what happened in the game. Let me see. As of this morning when I printed out I haven't seen the play uh, the play chart. That's what I'm it was not out this morning when I printed out and did my tape review. I wonder if the play time percentage has been updated to the game book yet. Let's see. As I open it up on the computer, oh, we do have it. Okay, here we go. What do you I'll, got? I'll give you some playtime percentages, okay, folks? This is always helpful. You know how much certain guys are on the field um, over the course of the game. You want to go offense or defense first?
1: Oh, go defense, I think.
0: All right, let's go defense. Sean Chandler was on the field for 76% mm-hmm. of the plays, Julian Love for 66%. Mm-hmm. Those are by far the two highest. Doesn't
1: surprise me. Corey
0: Ballantyne, 52%, DeAndre Baker, 49%. Um, Otherwise, Kenny Lather 45%. And Ryan Conley was on the field for 41% of the snaps. McIntosh, 41% of the snaps. Zimenez played 26 defensive snaps, 37%. I didn't even think he was out there that much, to be honest with you. I guess he was. Uh, Dexter Lawrence, I do not think, played that many snaps.
1: I don't believe so either. Yeah,
0: he only played six. Yeah. Tomlinson played six. B.J. Hill played nine. Bethay played ten. Peppers played 13 uh, Jenkins played – oh, that's, sorry, that's John Jenkins. That's DT Jenkins. Where's Corner Jenkins? There you go. He played 13. Uh, Michael Thomas played 28, 39% overall. Offensively, the offensive line, the backup, solaco 82% of the snaps. Evan Brown, 82. Slade, 81. Yeah. Gates, 81. By the way, he had the three penalty gates. The first one was nonsense. I looked it on the on tape. He did not commit a holding penalty They that call.
1: They used a ton of second-team offensive linemen. Those are the guys who played the most of anybody in the game. Well, especially a tackle, Paul. There were no third-team offensive linemen. <laughs> they didn't have, enough, didn't have enough
0: guys. Otherwise, Alonzo Russell. And, I, heard, I heard they were calling Lance. <laughs> yeah, they might have. Reggie White led all wide receivers with 36 snaps, 58%. Alonzo Russell was at 52%. TJ Jones, 45%. Conrad played 45% of the snaps. Oh, we didn't mention the running back position. Paul Perkins led the running backs in snaps with 39%.
1: Tough game for Perkins. He did Had not a fumble and a drop pass. Did not help himself. No. And folks, look, I'm a big Paul Perkins guy. So, I'm going to tell you I'm flat out disappointed in what happened with him last night. What we know is this. There is going to be a tremendous battle for the backup running back positions. Uh, whether Gallman sticks, Perkins sticks, Rod Smith, uh, Penny, uh, Hilleman, Hilleman now with the concussion protocol, I don't know how much that's going to set him back. But the Giants still have to figure out if they're going to keep a fullback or keep a swing back. Uh, this, is, this is really going to come down to, John, I believe the guys who simply outperform the other guys. I don't think the Giants are going to be married to a 3-1 split or a 4-0 backfield. I think it's really going to come down to who earns the spots regardless of what positions that they really are best suited for.
0: Two zero one nine three nine four five one three. I promise you, I will get to your tweets at hashtag GiantsChat. but we stay heavy in Florida today. We go to Ramon, who's in Orlando. Hello, Ramon. <laughs>
7: Hello, how are you guys doing today? We're good, man. I have a question. I, I, I there's so much talk about Daniel Jones, Eli Manning. You know, we all know at the end of the day it's going to be Eli. I don't see them putting uh, putting in Daniel Jones. Even if the Giants go 0-9. I think the fans don't want him. They want Eli. So do you guys think he's going to play uh, this season if the Giants do bad? And one more other question. Why was TJ Jones winning number two, and so was the Giants' kicker winning number
0: two? I didn't understand that. No, Ramon, that's actually a good question. <laughs> and a couple of other fans asked me that question, too, on Twitter last night. In training camp, there's so many players, and there are retired numbers for the Giants. So you have to have some players that have the same numbers. Uh, the rule is, obviously, that they can't be on the field at the same time. So if you have an offensive player and a defensive player that have the same number, that's okay. If you have, Uh for for example, 23 is, I believe, both on offense and defense, if I'm not mistaken, right, Paul? The Uh Sam Beal and John Hilleman both both wear 23, the running back and And, the cornerback. That's true. And Rosas and Jones both wear number two. So you will get repeated numbers that way, Ramon.
2: That can happen during
7: the season two or just for the preseason
0: games? Just just the preseason games. Okay. Thank you, Ramon. Appreciate the call, man. Uh, And we should answer his question about the quarterback. Uh, I'll give my normal spiel. This is how Eli Manning keeps Daniel Jones off the field. He plays well and the team wins games. If he does those does those two things, Daniel Jones ain't going to get on the field this year. If the Giants are eliminated from playoff contention or if Eli Manning is playing poorly, then the equation changes. Just for his example, if the Giants are 0-9, I would be very comfortable saying, I bet we'll see Daniel Jones on the field at some point in the second <laughs> half of the year. I think that's fair to say, but I don't think that's going to happen.
1: You know what? Fair? Uh, oh, absolutely. Okay, thank you. I I, <laughs> I I just like to give this whole topic a rest, to be perfectly honest with you.
0: It, that's why when the
1: fans call, I give my chain answer and move on. You know, um, We can move on if you want. Yeah, see, to me, the more interesting quarterback question is how many and who. Not, It's not about the one and two. We know who the one and two are.
0: Yeah, and remember we had that. Con- remember we were having conversations back in May about whether or not Jones
1: would be the backup right away. Well oh, yeah, he is. He, oh he's yeah. He, he is. He's the two. Yeah, it's not he's close. The two. No. You know, for all the guys <laughs> out there, Len and Charlie and all of our regular guys, Joe and all you all you fellows out there, you know, we we were debating how quickly would Jones elevate to number two, and I was like, well, if it takes him a month into the regular season, that's okay. It happened. It, it happened in June. It it didn't take that long. <laughs> it happened in June. It didn't take that long, because <laughs> the the arrow went. Right up to the top,
0: just like that. And it's much more about what's happening up here than it is what's happening over here. That's me so, pointing
1: at my head and arm, by yeah. the way. So, much, much more what's going on in the head. And and you know what? Good for him. Because he has shown everything he's needed to show to be elevated to number two. Let's go to Marco in Connecticut. He'll be next on line three. What's up, Marco?
0: Hey, guys. How are you? We're great, Marco. What's up?
8: Uh, a couple quick things. Um... I called uh, John. I called Paul on Monday. I gave my bold prediction. Um, I think uh, Dexter Lawrence is going to be a Pro Bowler this year.
0: Okay, I like that. I'm sure they put it up on the board. It is. Oh, I sure. see it there. Yep, it's right here.
8: Thanks, Paul. Um, just one thing about the quarterback thing. Uh, I called about the defense, but I, I, I think um, the really. I mean, like it's t- it's tiring of hearing about it now, but it's really it's Shermer's going to have to handle the distraction because he's going to get asked about it all the time. And unfortunately, every day, you know, unfortunately for Eli, I mean, if he makes one error or like one bad pass or like now he's not even looking, if he's not looking downfield at Red Ellison, they're asked about it, which it's, it's, I don't know. It's hopefully something can get under control with that, but well, uh, that's just one. Go ahead.
1: Here's the thing. If Eli steps on the crack in the sidewalk, yeah. They're going to be screaming that there should be a quarterback competition. That That's how bad it's gotten.
8: Um, hey, I want to ask you guys, though, about Jones specifically. Before the draft, when we didn't know who the Giants were going to be taking at six, you guys are looking at all different types of players. And then I was wondering, uh, now that he's been in-house and you've had a, go- a chance to go back and look, has your thoughts about him pre-draft, changed at all from what you've seen in person and now like what you've been able to go back and look at on tape has anything changed or are you seeing things that you had seen you know previously on tape
1: here's the difference we're now seeing him in person i never saw daniel jones in person before never watched a practice never actually sat uh, in the stands or, or stood on the sidelines to watch him in a game. This is, this is my first live look at him. And the only time I ever saw him live was at practice at the Senior Bowl when, quite frankly, he was not good. All right, so, okay. that, so that's number one. Perspectives change. This is why scouts and coaches tell you they go to games. They go to Senior Bowl week. They go, you know, to the Combine. They go to pro days because they tell you they want to see with their own eyes in front of them. What the guy brings to the table. So that's number one. Number two, I would say Daniel Jones has already begun to improve and turn into a pro quarterback just in the short time that he has been here. They have already started to apply polish to that piece of brass. So he's not the same guy he was in December as a Duke Blue Devil. He is already advancing. And let me throw one other thing in there, Marco, too. And I have made this point over the course of
0: the draft process Jones is a tough scout, and the reason he was a tough scout is because he was basically playing with a bunch of kids that really didn't belong on the same field with a lot of the kids they were playing against. Not one player that Daniel Jones ever played with at Duke has been drafted. Not not an offensive lineman, not a receiver, not a tight end, not a running back, no one. So he was constantly getting harassed by the pass rush, his receivers are trouble getting open. His receivers dropped a ton of passes, so I think that in some ways made him a little bit more difficult for a layman like me and Paul and I. As much as work we do, we're still laymen. We're not. Mm-hmm. We're not scouts. We're not coaches. So right. I think it's harder. It makes it harder for us. But I think the people that do it for a living do a better job of seeing through some of that smoke and the fog that's caused by what's going on around him to get her
1: a better evaluation of the play. I would say one thing, Marco, to just close off this topic. In the 15 minutes that I got to experience conversation with Daniel Jones at the Combine, I really got a good feel. I have reporter's instinct. I can pretty much tell a lot about a person just in terms of interaction when I sit and talk with them and I look into their eyes and so forth and so on. Uh, I got a real good vibe that everything that was said about him being the missing Manning brother was true, well, he is that guy. Everything that I thought about Daniel Jones when I met him at the Combine and, and spoke with him for a good period of time has held true. That is who he is, and that is a plus. In no way is that disappointing. That is a feather in his cap.
8: Yeah, so that's great to hear. And um, I even in one drive last night, uh, it was fun, and it's also fun to hear some of the people that had such instant reactions um, kind of backpedal a little bit and say, "Whoa!" But you know that that's the issue too. Is like, not only do they backpedal off their initial reactions, they instantly have to pivot to there's a there's a quarterback controversy, of course. So I yeah, but hey, thanks for taking me through that, guys. I'll, I'll give you a call next week.
0: I appreciate it, Mark. Always good to hear from Thank you. Thank you. And you know, look, if you thought something and you get new information or see new things that make you change your mind, that's okay. That's a good thing. That's, what, that's how the world should operate. New information should make people change their mind about uh, things.
1: That's also how weathermen operate. <laughs>
0: however, however, let me add this. The problem that you run into is the amount of surety that people project about prospects in general... How they know exactly what this guy's going to be, and if somebody doesn't see that player exactly like they do, they're an idiot, but you know this person's a genius. Guys, evaluating these guys, yeah, maybe there are ways to do things where you're wrong more than you're, you're right more than you're wrong. No one 's ever perfect. It's not how it works. So I just wish sometimes people might be a little bit more humble in how they project their opinions in how these players are going to turn out because really none of us know. We might have an idea, but there are outliers all the time. Are they frequent? Mm-hmm. No, but there are outliers. So yeah. I just feel like when people, I want people to express their opinions. That's great, but just be a little bit humble and, and understand that maybe you don't know quite as much as you think you do and you're not as sure as you think you are about these sort They've of things.
1: They've never built the perfect GM or the perfect scout. Those guys don't exist. So those guys want to be perfect, how are the people at home that have access to less of the resources going to be perfect? The the only thing I will say is that you use your knowledge and your experience, and you put that to the best use you possibly can, and then you have conviction in what you believe. And I do believe that part of it is very true, John, because if you don't have conviction in what your knowledge and experience tell you, then you're wishy-washy, and then there's just no point and you even even being heard from. And, you know, that's why, look, I know that there are a lot of folks out there who don't necessarily care for, for my style or what I do. But having been around for 37 years, I certainly have a lot of knowledge and a lot of experience. And I'm going to give you a very strong opinion because I think it's important uh, to give you conviction behind what I see and what I believe. It's foolish for me to just throw up my hands and say, I don't know, maybe. I mean, if that's really the case, I'll tell you that. But you're not going to get that very often from me because I don't think I'm doing you a a service by just throwing. Anybody can throw up their hands and say, "I don't know, maybe," or be wishy-washy. That's that's not what that's not what people need or want to hear because they're coming to folks who can give them a substantial opinion that is based on knowledge and experience. And if you don't like it, that's okay. You don't have to like it. But at least show some conviction. Show a spine. If you have knowledge and experience, put it to use. Don't just stand there and say, I don't know, or maybe this, maybe that. No, 100%.
0: But at the same time, you shouldn't cling to your opinion when new information comes available. Oh, no question. And realize you're wrong and then
1: understand why you were wrong. You have to process the correct right? information. Hey, I had Lionel Manual getting cut in the first cut when he was a Giants rookie-wide receiver. And what happened? Lionel Manuel turned out to have several good years with the Giants. Phil Simms was very happy to have him in his passing game. I've made mistakes. I'm the first one to admit it. I didn't want the Giants to draft Eli Manning. I've said that, too. Well, they didn't draft him. They traded him into the Phillip Rivers deal. I wanted them to keep Kerry Collins. And now, I'm one of Eli Manning's biggest supporters. So you talk about changing when you have to because the evidence says, right. hey, wake up, look at this. It's time you get on board because this
0: is the smart way to go. Right, and I, I just think the my point I was trying to make is that you have an opinion on a prospect coming out and you think he's going to be this. You state that opinion strongly, you explain why, but when all is said and done, until the guy actually gets on the field, it's an opinion. And it's not a guarantee that your opinion is going to be right. And I think a lot of people sometimes believe these scouting reports that they read before the draft are written in stone. And the player will play to that scouting report
1: as though it's written, as though it's history and and not a projection
0: is my point. The
1: The evidence and the facts have to be allowed to change your opinion. That's the bottom line. Charlie in Portland, Maine is up next. Charlie!
7: Hey guys, what a segue. Humble, not wishy washy, has conviction. My God, thank you for setting me up.
1: Well yeah, but but Charlie, we left out a key word. How about insane?
7: (laughs) Oh God, perfect.
1: Go right ahead.
7: Hey, look, you know, let's not put Daniel Jones in the Hall of Fame yet. Thank you. He's only had five passes. Correct. He I think he played, like, maybe five minutes. Let's see him play a whole game. Because, you know, the arrow's pointing up, and the next preseason game might be pointing down. That's might,
0: Hunt, Paul, he, Charlie, you could not be more right. For, no? for, for once, you're actually the voice of reason. I can't believe it.
7: <laughs> and the thing is, it's, I saw some site, and what they do is – they figure out what the uh, separation rate is for wide receivers against their opponents and okay. the Giants wide receiver separation was not very good it was like 1.94 which is pretty tight
1: this was last and, year
7: no that was in this game oh in that this was game in this preseason game well so,
1: you know what Charlie say this though if, if, if that's true and I didn't see the chart. If that's true, what does that say about these quarterbacks who all threw the well, ball no, extremely well?
7: That, yeah, they they put it they put it exactly where they needed to. But are they gonna do that all the time when they have a pass rush running down their throat, which they didn't really have this game because, like you said, it was vanilla. So to me, it's like that's a little worry to me on the wide receivers that they're not getting you know a. You know, good cushion. It's so tight. They're not get, getting, you know, off their defenders that well. Well, Charlie, That's remember something, something though.
1: Home. Remember something. The improved offensive line, and you had to like the pass pro from that first string offensive line last night. They yeah, were not very the good at pass though. pro. I,
7: I, that was well, not good. We, we
1: discussed that already. We've already told yeah. you that. But the pass yeah. pro was really solid, and that allows your receivers more time to do their work. And quite frankly, it also allows your quarterback to take more time to pick out the right guy. I mean, there's, there is such a domino effect when you improve your offensive line that it's so far-reaching, and it improves your team to so many levels that you really have to put a tremendous amount of value in that.
7: Oh, yeah, definitely. And the thing is, though, but the other thing is if we can't run the ball... You know, consistently, then no they're going to be jumping on our on on our passing game. R- remember, so Brockley that's...
1: didn't play last night. Just remember that yeah. too.
7: Yeah, I mean, I look. This is the first preseason game. This is like nothing. This is like a, a second in the in the uh, you know in a football season. You know what I mean? So I can't get too high on any of them or too. You know, I, I was glad to see Carlotte, though do what he did. I. I thought he was an athlete when I when I saw him when we picked him up and uh I think it's great if we can find a guy like that that can uh, do something mm-hmm. that will be uh that will be an inspiration for our linebacking core. And uh secondary I think, you know, they made their mistakes, their rookies. Um I the miscommunication bothers me 'cause I knew I know it's early, but you know, that's something they should have had uh pretty much together in uh in summer camp practice, Charlie it takes a
1: lot longer you know, than that. Come on, be fair. It's going to take a lot longer for the communication to be as smooth as butter. Seriously, you can't—you can't tell me you expected <laughs> that in game one of the preseason. Well,
7: Come I expect, on! I didn't expect to see Sergeant Peppers like chasing the chasing down Sergeant the players. It, it reminded me of uh, Landon Collins. Obviously,
1: <laughs> Charlie's a Beatles fan from the '60s. All right, Charlie. Good to go talk
0: pal. to you. Okay, guys. Appreciate it. Have a, have a
7: good weekend. You too,
1: Coach Marvin in Delaware is up next. Hey, Coach.
0: Coach, going once. Actually, I, you know, Coach will take you last. Let's go to Nick in Pennsylvania first. What's up, Nick? Oh, what's going on? Hi. What's up, Nick? Uh, I'm up next. Yes, Nick, you're on.
2: All right. Oh, I'm on now.
0: Yes, you are. Hello. Welcome to oh, the show.
2: Right. Hey, how's it going? Um, We're good. All right. So, I all my friends like right when uh. Right when the Gettleman, or right when uh, Daniel Jones got drafted, everybody always, like, everybody jumped right on him, uh, and said, like, oh, I hate Gettleman. He's a terrible general manager. Um, and especially after the Odell trade. Um, but, like, I, I always defended Gettleman through it because, first of all, like, I don't know, because I, I, we don't know exactly if the Odell trade was entirely Gettleman's decision. So I think it's really unfair of fans to, uh, to just put everything on, of the Gettleman trade right on Gettleman. Well, Nick, 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 the, real
0: quick. Rick, Rick, Nick, Nick, just real quick. The Beckham trade yeah. was Gettleman. I it mean, was. John Mara basically said in a press conference that Gettleman had to convince him to do the trade. Correct. So that, that, that was Gettleman's move.
2: Okay.
1: Anyway, right, continue. So, Go ahead. And he'll stand by it, by the
0: oh, way.
2: Oh, Absolutely. And, and but the thing about that is we don't know the entire story behind why Odell had to get traded. Well, that's true uh, too. What it was that's in the true. Locker room. So I think there is so much more that like you can't just jump right on Gettleman because for a player personnel move maybe it doesn't make the most sense. But I but from a locker so I think there's so much more to that. And then I none of my friends watch any scouting, not watch like actual tape on uh, like game tape on Daniel Jones. None of them like really like watch like read into everything they really just saw what was on social media. And I think that's what a lot of Giants fans, like why gentlemen got so much hate is like, we just saw what was on social media, saw what was on the internet. And then because Daniel Jones wasn't ranked as high as the other quarterback, everybody assumed right away as a bad pick. Um, And then everybody's like, Oh, we could have waved to get him at 17, which that's probably the thing I was most upset about is like, we traded away Odell, got that 17 pick. And then we didn't use that to get Daniel Jones. But then I think, I, I think you, you've got to take so much more into account. Like we definitely needed a quarterback, and if, and they they did they definitely did their due diligence on uh, on drafting him. And if they thought he was the right, then I was gonna I was gonna wait to see until he put on a giant uniform to actually. Because then I think.
0: Nick, sounds like your phone's crapping out on us, buddy. Thanks for the call. We appreciate it. Give us a call back next show. We'll make sure he gets you on right away. Get now, a new battery. <laughs> let's wrap up the show with Coach Marvin in Delaware, and I will take your tweets before we say goodbye too, Coach.
9: Hello. John Paul, can you hear me? We can, right, Coach. Coach.
0: Sorry about that. Before, that was my fault. What's going on?
9: Oh, uh, real quick. I just wanted to, well, what, what Charlie's saying about the secondary real quick is uh, – I, I, I think it, with them, the being upset with them um, not communicating well in the preseason game is kind of asinine. Um, that's oh, why we have the preseason game is to make those corrections now. <laughs> so that's why, I mean, I'd rather them do it now than in the regular season. So 100%. They're learning. They're definitely learning. And on the defensive side, I did love Conley. I thought he played a, a very good game uh, at the linebackers spot. Uh, um, My other uh, comment was about uh, Daniel Jones. I I already talked to Paul earlier in the week, what I was uh, looking for from him. My evaluations of him, um, I figured, uh, listening to you guys, that he could throw the ball. Coming out uh, number six overall pick, I figured he could throw all over the field. So that wasn't a big deal. My thing was, can he process what he sees? Mm -hmm. I thought, even though it was simple, Defense that they were playing against a cover three looked like they were playing a lot from the Jets. He he still was doing a good job of his reading, his anticipation, um, his throws was right on time. Um, he made a couple of throws where um, guys was able to catch the ball and keep running in their routes. I think they they did a uh, RPO where he hit um, Tate, and I mean um yeah Tate right across uh, coming across on the slant, and he was able to keep running as he caught the ball. He threw that in between some linebackers when he made that throw. So he made some excellent throw, and then most outstanding one was the uh, touchdown pass. Which from where I was watching, I didn't even know he completed it until the, the guy put his hands up. That's how good that throw was. So um, I was impressed with that. Uh, he still got a lot to learn. There is no quarterback controversy. It's going to be Eli. For all the people that's listening, the only way he's going to get in the game is if the Giants are blowing somebody out or they're getting blown out and they feel like, hey, let's give the kid a chance to get in and get his feet wet a little bit. But that doesn't mean he's going to be starting. And uh, that's about all he's going to be probably playing until he like determines when that time is going to come. So.
1: Coach Marvin, can I ask you one question before you go? We're running out of time, but I do want to ask you something because I know as a longtime coach, you will appreciate this question. When you looked at Daniel Jones, how much did you enjoy watching his body language? Because that tells you a lot. And to me, he looked like he belonged.
9: Well, as you said, I wanted to say that, talk about that earlier. Um I scouted when I was just, um, doing high school before I became a head coach. I was doing some scouting for the high school. I'm not a pro at it, but I do know scouting. And body language is very important in football because it tells a lot what you want to do. If you're a receiver at times, I always told my receivers, your body language sometimes can give away your routes. Mm-hmm. If you're running a plant, you can be leaning in that way. So body language in that sense. Body language in the sense of, are you scared? Body language, are you nervous? Those things play a role. He could not come out like that. He was somebody that I did not expect to see because, again, I'm going to admit, I was talking about admitting, uh, not to say if we was wrong, but our opinion was wrong. I I didn't think Daniel Jones was the pick at number six. He looked like a number six pick. So far. He came out. He was confident in what he was doing looked like. uh, From what I heard in the huddle, he was talking very confident in what he was saying, and that's important. People never talk about what goes on in a huddle. You have to have control of that huddle when you step in there. You let those guys know that you are the one that's leading. And he was leading. And you can see the body language in it. And you want to know how Mm -hmm. good his body language was? It rubbed off on the other guys.
0: Thank you, Coach Marvin. We got to run, pal. Yeah. Good stuff. Thank you for the call, Talk to you soon. Want to get to a couple tweets real fast? Go.
8: It's time for tweets. Let's Giants Chat. All
0: right, Ben Gruen, I know the PI challenge will get brought up today. What if the penalty video review was only allowed to be played at normal speed, no slow motion? It should be viewed at the same speed the officials see it live. The obvious fouls would still be obvious. I don't agree with that. Slow it down, and you can still see whether or not something is obvious or there's a significant hindrance.
1: I'm not a big fan of, of... changing a call based on a slow-motion replay, which alters your perception of the play. Yeah, but would you have seen him hold the guy's arm down if it wasn't for slow-motion replay? I think it's opening up a can of worms that I'm not comfortable with.
0: No, but you agreed that that call should have been called defensive pass interference last night, right? That I agree with. So what happens on fast motion? You don't see him hold the arm down. Uh,
1: The problem is, in principle, we're still opening up a can of worms that I don't think is very good. I got to give you a question on your
0: guy. Clayton Harding. Conrad looked good blocking, made two catches in traffic. Mm-hmm. Your thoughts?
1: I thought it was a pass, according to the pass fail requirement that we indicated before.
0: All right. I think that's good. Excellent job on the show today, everybody. We appreciate our folks behind the scenes. We'll see you tomorrow. All right, not to wait. Today's Friday? It's Friday, John. And camp days don't matter. We'll see you Monday. <laughs> everybody enjoy your weekend. One o'clock on Giants.com. Big Boo Kickoff Live. We'll be back. Adios. See you then.